Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today's episode of Money Diaries is brought to you by Intuit. Proud makers of TurboTax, QuickBooks, and Mint. It doesn't matter if you're self-employed, thinking about starting a side hustle, or just trying to get the most out of your money. Intuit has tools that help you achieve prosperity, whatever that means for you. Easy-to-navigate software like QuickBooks, TurboTax, and Mint help you take control of your finances so you can prosper. Learn more at Intuit.com. Intuit, powering prosperity. This is Money Diaries, the podcast. I'm Lindsay Stanberry. And I'm Paco DeLeon. And this is the podcast where people call in to talk about issues they're having with money. Today's topic, something that 44 million people in the United States struggle with, student loan debt, student loan debt. The one thing that bums me out about student loan debt is I, I tend to think about it as a mortgage me that too. doesn't come with a house, <laughs> right? Bankruptcy doesn't even make it go away. Isn't that crazy? That's dark. And I will say this is a pretty serious episode. So if you have some financial anxieties, who doesn't? Be forewarned. But still listen, because it's important stuff. Uh, All right. With that, we've got a really incredible guest today, Alex. She's 29. She's living in LA. And she has $90,000 in student loan debt. Hello. Hey, Alex. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Good. Alex, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Um, I was born and raised here in South Los Angeles. I'm 29. I left home when I was like 17 to go to culinary school. I'm a chef. I'm a substitute teacher. I'm a braider. I'm a lactician. (laughs) And I'm here to talk to you guys just really about ways to earn more really, because that's my challenge is earning more money. And how much are you making right now? I mean, it depends. On a good month, you know, I can pay bills and stuff and then take care of like little fires that I might have going on financially or whatever. But then when it's bad, it's like, okay, I'm barely getting by. Right. Because the substitute teaching is not consistent. It's not consistent and it's day to day. So like one day you can get a call and, you know, you might be doing good for a couple of weeks and then you don't get any calls. You know, with the chef work, I'm not making anything right now because the cooking classes that I would lead are kind of on a break. So just um, a couple months ago, the most I made was like a little over 3000 with the substitute teaching. And then I've made as low as 700 for the month. What does what does your budget look like? My expenses are a total like right now of about a thousand dollars. What I spend the most money on each month is probably just food and fire expenses. For example, this past December we had a um, car maintenance issue that was not planned for um, that I didn't think about. So it's like I would call that a fire. (laughs) I know for a fact that um, food is a big thing because when I don't plan, I end up spending on food that I I wouldn't have if I had just, you know, planned a meal instead. Yeah. 
A little bit of planning goes a long way. It does. Yeah. Everybody falls victim to that. And and faster than the go is not really that cheap. So just different things like that that I've been thinking about how to be more strategic. Because, you know, like I don't go out. I don't go on vacations. I don't shop. It's really just like home stuff and family stuff. And how much are you paying in rent? Um, two fifty. So my living situation is I live with um my aunt. She doesn't charge me a lot, but like I said, when work isn't good, it's a challenge. It seems like I've been in a perpetual catch up mode. Roughly how much student loan debt do you have? Now I'm you know, I've done some reconsolidations and things because, you know, I've gone into default and all kinds of crazy stuff. But the last I looked on my mint app, I'm at like ninety thousand and something. $90,000. Yeah. Did you have a long-term goal when you went to take out these loans? I was actually planning to go into dietetics. I was looking for uh, a school that I could transfer into seamlessly with my associate's degree from with culinary arts. And so um, the bachelor's degree um, came about because I was talking to my friend. She's like, why don't you just apply to Johnson & Wales and come with us? And I was like, okay. I was able to apply and transfer into their culinary nutrition program, which really just encompassed everything that I wanted to do and get out of my education and pursue a career. I was actually planning to go into and become a registered dietitian, but, you know, that's really expensive, so I kind of pulled the reins on that. <laughs> so I was kind of thinking, like, well, let me, if I can just make enough money or I can, you know, achieve a certain amount of success, everything will be fine. But it's just like, you know, the fire's burning. It's not going to get better. So you said that you defaulted on some of your loans and then you tried to do some restructuring. How many loans did you restructure it into? Girl, I don't know. Don't. <laughs> you know, for a long time, I just didn't want to look at all of that. And so I'm still in the process of marking through what's what. And I just recently got my paperwork saying that my consolidation has gone through and everything. I'm curious to know what changed for you or what's happened recently that's made you go from being like an ostrich about your finances and kind of ignoring it or the student loan debt to, um, you know, starting to figure out how to consolidate it and basically get on a path to paying it back. That's so funny you said an ostrich. I'm like, ostriches are cute. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> it's funny because, like, I've always been aware of financial challenges as it pertains to my family because, like, my mom, um, she's been disabled since I was at least, like, 9 or 10 years old. She's had congestive heart failure. And then we ended up moving back to L.A. Um, after my parents divorced, and it just kind of snowballed into, like, a bunch of, stuff and I was just like okay well how, what can I do and that's why I was like you know I got to go to school make myself you know a viable member and be able to contribute to further our family it's always been a thing for me to to try to achieve financial stability that like I don't have I've never had like a lot of credit cards at once open and you know balling out shopping and stuff like that I've never been that type but right. you know life happened but I never just was like I'm gonna open up this credit card and not pay it right like it was always an objective like you know Lane Bryant makes you know good underwear I like their underwear I can build some credit let me go to Lane Bryant open up an account and pay this bill but then you know stuff happened and um it got behind and how much credit card debt do you have now um 
I have about 2500 in collections of credit card debt. They call you and it's like, I don't have the money. I'm not going to talk to you. So, right. yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, um, <laughs> I hung up with Jess because I thought she was a bill collector. <laughs> Yeah, Jess is our producer. <laughs> she called me a couple weeks ago, and I answered the phone. I heard the voice. I was like, ooh, I don't know her. Hung up. I was like, that's no way to live. You've got a lot on your plate, Alex. Like, that's that's tough. I just got a lecture last night. Like, you you know, you're 30. You got to get your life together. You know, whatever. And I'm just like, <laughs> what y'all think I've been doing this whole time? <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of throwing stuff against the wall. I've been doing that for, like, the longest and, you know, I did what, you know, we believed at the time. It was like telling kids, you know, go to college, get a good job. You can do X, Y, Z, live your dreams, follow your dreams. I did that. And it didn't work like y'all said it was going to work. So what do we do now? After the break, some bad news. What? That is so jacked up. And some good news. I'm glad you brought that up. I am so glad you brought that up. Like, I am so glad you brought that up. That's coming up next. When my husband Ken and I were saving to buy our first apartment, we gave up all the creature comforts. I'm talking no cable in an era before streaming, no jelly on our peanut butter sandwiches, and cooking at home instead of ordering takeout. Intuit and Refinery29 understand that the path to achieving prosperity is not easy for all. But we also believe that everyone should have the tools and knowledge to achieve their financial goals. Intuit's financial tools give everyone the power to prosper. So you could get started on your path to achieving those goals today. Learn more at Intuit.com. Intuit. Powering prosperity. I think one really important thing to talk about is how debt can cause so much pressure and stress. It can be debilitating. How are you dealing with that? As far as, you know, anxiety, depression, um, you know, insomnia and things like that, you know, I got to I really have to go do something about that at this point just so that I can, you know, accomplish the things I'm trying to accomplish. Right. It's hard to function when you're constantly uh, worried and stressed out. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I called my friend uh, Melanie Lockhart. She has a website called DearDebt.com. And so she had about... $81,000 in student loan debt. And when she finally graduated, she looked at it and it was about $100,000. And she said that she was freaking out and she was in a really, really dark place. She was so angry for so long. And what she did was she said she used that anger to propel her and to motivate her to string together work and get it all together. And the first year that she was working, She said she made something like $16,000 a year with $100,000 in debt. So, you know, that's a really tough situation to be in. Yeah, it is. And then from there, she got counseling. She found a place that could accommodate her low income. And she said that was really the first step. And that's really what started to help her deal with all of the stress and all of the pressure of of the debt. Just on the the mental health side and, and the coping side, I think that that that's like the first piece of unsolicited advice that I'd like to give to you. I mean, I'm here, so it was solicited, so don't trip. <laughs> How much are you paying right now in student loans? And if you were able to pay all of it, do you know how much the monthly would be? Right now it's um one sixty and like five cents or something. That's why I have to pay every month. And like that's the one that defaulted that I can't remedy other than to pay it. 
and the other one I, I really don't know but this is just kind of like an estimation the payments could be about a thousand dollars a month and then also I'm planning to go into like the forg forgiveness thing after 10 years of payment they'll forgive it or something I would like to talk about the forgiveness program so the student loan forgiveness program started in 2007 and so that means in 2017 people who were making their payments for 10 years who thought they were enrolled in the program thought that they were going to have their student loan debt forgiven but it turns out something crazy like only one percent of people who thought they were in the program were actually what? in the program. Yeah. So I'm going to lead with that terrifying piece of information. That because is so stuck. That is so yeah. <laughs> what you really need to understand is that there are all these different nuances and little requirements in order for you to qualify for the student loan uh, forgiveness mm -hmm. program. So one of the requirements is that it has to be a direct loan. Do you know whether yours are direct? Some of them are private and some of them are... Um direct you have to be working for a qualified employer for mm -hmm. 10 years and the 10 years can be strung together you also have to be enrolled in an income-based repayment repayment plan so when we look at just those requirements and i think about your situation alex you have you know you have two paths right the path there's one path that's like i'm gonna go for the forgiveness and I'm going to commit myself to 10 years of full-time employment with a qualified employer. I'm going to make 120 payments. I'm going to make sure I'm enrolled in the correct income-based repayment plan. Or the other path sounds to me like you hustle and you grind and you figure out a way to drastically, radically jack up your income in a way that you can just get in front of this debt and or, or you know not, not be behind it anymore. But I do think the student loan forgiveness program sounds like a magic bullet. The reality is... It's not. I would say that if it works out, then that would be wonderful. Um, but to radically increase income feels to me, and for my story as well, my own experience, that seems more like, well, no matter what happens, I've figured out how to understand my economic value in society, and I've understood how to communicate and leverage that, which is basically how to earn money, right? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about how you might radically increase your earning. Do you think that could come through substitute teaching, your private chef work, cooking classes? It's funny because I went to school to become a chef, but then it's like the culinary stuff is like the ancillary income for me. I mean, I've applied at McDonald's. <laughs> I've applied at Wingstop. I've applied at uh, Subway. Uh, what else? A lot of different little places. <laughs> It sounds like the substitute teaching is more lucrative for you. Honestly, like just in the 10 years I've been working and stuff like that, it's the best paying and most lucrative. But, you know, just getting in a groove where it's consistent, that's where the challenge is. So tell me what your path or your journey is in terms of the chef work. Are you going to continue to pursue that? That's always kind of been my comfort zone. Kind of learned early that hotels and restaurants were not good for me. But I do enjoy teaching cooking classes and educating on nutrition. And I do enjoy doing the private chef work. Okay. One of the things that really helped me go from like not making anything to being able to afford, uh, you know, living in a major city and feeling okay was really sitting down and looking at all of my revenue streams and looking at how much money I wanted to make. I would break up all of the revenue streams and say like, okay, if I were to only do 
you know, this job at substitute teaching, or if I could reliably count on, you know, three gigs a month substitute teaching at this amount of dollars, this is what that would look like in terms of income. Or you could work backwards and say, hey, in order to make $3,000 in cooking classes a month, I need to have X amount of classes booked. And if it's crazy, outlandish, then you know right then and there like, oh, okay, we need to figure something else out. And if it's not crazy (laughs) outlandish, at least that gives you a general framework for what you're shooting towards. Mm -hmm. And I just, I did that regarding like the cooking classes. I could potentially make $900 off of one class. Because um, the challenge was having a space to do it. Right. But I found a space and I know how much it costs and I know how much I would need to charge and how many students per class. So now it's like I'm on the next step to planning and marketing. You know, who's willing, who's willing to pay this price, you know? That's a big question. Who's willing to pay this price? So figure out who you're speaking to, if the market that you were trying to reach. They're on Instagram. That's how they buy. That's how they make their choices. Be on Instagram. If it's word of mouth, you have to figure out how to get into the right, you know, circles. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm going to, I'm going to be a little bit of the downer here. Of course. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, We're talking about a lot of like side gigs and side hustles, but have you ever tried to look for an office job? Like what are your thoughts about trying to find like a real nine to five? I've tried that. And I know that sounds crazy, but I always felt like because I didn't work a certain job that I couldn't put that skill on my resume. You know, I've never, I haven't been a receptionist for five years. I haven't managed an office for, you know, 10 years or more or something like that, or, you know, so um, I have, I'm not opposed to it. I have a way to split the difference between my advice and your advice, Lindsay. And it's like <laughs> the on-ramp to that kind of work is maybe like finding short-term employment with temp agencies. Yeah, agencies. That way you can kind of get experience in that environment and kind of start to learn, you know, what that kind of work is like. And, you that know. That would be cool for the summer. Yeah. Definitely. Temp agency. Totally. And they, they usually pay pretty well yeah i'm also all about like the resume spin like tell do tell i'm glad you brought that up (laughs) i am so glad you brought that up i am so glad you brought that up we're talking about all these administrative things that you do regularly when you set up these cooking classes that you call and you find the space you organize the pay you so i would just really think about what you're doing to make your side hustles happen and then apply those to your resume when you're applying for a job because then you can be like oh i actually do have that skill and the truth is is that most of the time it's computers reading your resume anyway it's not real people mm-hmm. wow it's they're come to coming that. they're coming for us. Wow. Um, the truth is, it's like gaming the system. It sucks, yeah, but it it's is. true. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm glad you said that because I have like five different resumes for the same two degrees. That's not a bad thing. Will you talk about a downer girl, please. Because like I always feel like, okay, yeah, I'm not. I don't have the experience or the degree you're looking for, but that doesn't mean I don't know how to do what you're asking to be done. So, you know, now when I leave here, I'm gonna go on LinkedIn. And punch in the stuff that I know that I, you know, that I know that I do. It would give you a tremendous amount of relief if you could, you know, game the system, get something that's stable, you know, start paying back the student loans, start building an emergency fund. And then, you know, if you still want to go off on your own and you still want to build something, you can build it on the side. Yeah. I think that so much of it is about having 
the confidence to apply for those jobs. Right. I am like the biggest proponent of fake it till you make it. Yeah, but I also think you can't fake the <laughs> funk. You know? True. You really can't because you could smell it. Yeah, you can't fake you the just funk. just know. So we here's my know. solution is you got to figure out a way to, to feel, to really feel confident. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's like preparing for the interview, you know, knowing about the company, knowing exactly why you're right for the position and you're valuable. Then you won't be faking the funk. Yeah. Alex, I feel like you just need a win. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming. It's like, I don't feel like all of this work was for nothing. We're rooting for you. Thank you, because it was really, like, kind of embarrassing and shameful because it was just like, you know, I did all of this, and now I'm, like, all jacked up. <laughs> but, you know, I you we have to talk about these things because, like I said, I'm not the only one. 44 million people. You can't be embarrassed yeah, with and something that and I'm just the one I'm just the one right here. You're so. just one right here. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with everything. Thank you. Bye. If you're struggling with student loan debt and you need some great resources, check out studentloanhero.com, studentloanplanner.com, bostonstudentloanlawyer.com and askheatherjarvis.com. Also, you should one billion percent actually go to the like student loan government website it's boring i'm sorry but you should get it like right from the what's the phrase right from the the horse's mouth right from the horse's mouth thank you so much for listening if you want to read our interview with today's caller head on over to refinery29.com slash money dash diary and if you like this episode please go to wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe while you're at it rate us leave a nice comment and let us know what you think This episode was produced by Jessica Chow and Jay Brunson. Our editor is Alvaro Ceballos. Our head of post-production is Stacey Scripter. Her first New York apartment was $500 a month. It didn't have a kitchen, so she had to wash her dishes in the shower. We recorded at Argo Studios with Paul Rust. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm